I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast. Okay, we're here with Four Wins by Kristen Hanna. I am super stoked to talk about this book. And I know you are too, because we, once again, have totally different takes, I feel. Yes, and I've I've been, I mean, desperately holding my tongue about this book. Oh my gosh, me and Lacey have a lot in common. We are both the oldest daughters. We both love musical theater and uh, Carmelo bars, but we do not... <laughs> Oh, Chris, our love of Chris and Hannah in common. I, I, I and keep I, hearing. I, feel like, I, I know. Say, I know. It's so unusual because the two of us, for the most part, our books are in sync. Like, you know, we yeah. will literally scoff at like a rom com. Like, please get out of here, mm-hmm. and like love like a good classic. But it's like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I can get totally into this, and you're literally like balking. Like, please, this is trash. Yeah. I seriously, if it was not for the podcast, this is only the second book that we've read. Well, no, the third. Sorry. Forgot about the Unhoneymoothers. Oh, gosh. Um, This is the third book that I probably would have just tippity tapped right away from. Oh, Wait, my gosh. What is the other book? I'm trying to think. Uh, Space Between Worlds. Oh, yeah. Well, Which, in mutual. hindsight... Yeah, and that was more just like a meh, like a uh, whatever. And and I will, I mean, to give her the benefit of the doubt, Kristen Hanna is a very good author. She's a great writer. And I mean, this book is better than The Space Between Worlds. But this started off, this book is set in the Dust Bowl or, you know, it quickly dives into the Dust Bowl. It doesn't open that way. It opens in the 20s and then it goes into the 30s. Um, And it's about Elsa, who is kind of loathed by her own family because she's not as pretty, not as good or whatever. They've just decided she's the black sheep. Um, And Elsa finds herself in trouble, has to go live with a new husband, um, and ends up having a few kids. And it's the whole book is kind of about her making her way through this incredibly difficult time in American history and trying to be a good mom and a good wife and stick up for kind of her moral value system while also figuring out how to be brave and how to be something that she's been told her whole life that she's not. Am I missing anything with my summation? No, that's actually a very nice recap. Um, One of the things I like best about Kristen Hanna is she always, she does so much research. She does to me great uh, historical fiction. That is I'm trying to think what I would write. Maybe my most favorite genre because I mm-hmm. love I love history, but I love it even more if you've got like a great story to tie it all in where I'm like, oh, like I read about the Dust Bowl whenever I was reading Dear America books in elementary. <laughs> so I was really fascinated by a lot of things that I just completely forgotten about. So, yeah, that was that's what our book is about. Um, 
Okay, give it your rating. I want your rating. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, I think whenever we did The Great Alone, also by Chris and Hannah, I gave it a four and a half. And now I'm like, please, that was a five. I cannot stop thinking about it. <laughs> the, like, I literally, I think about that book at least once, uh, maybe two times a month. I'm like, wow, I love that book so much. This one was could not hold, like, it wasn't as good to me. But I still really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a solid four. Okay. I'm going to give this book a three. Um, and you know what? Before I get into my review, I'm going to drop in. We had graciously another listener send in her take on the book. Um, and she basically does like a quick overview of the book. So I'm going to drop that in here. Hey, guys. This is at Maggie the Reader on Instagram at Maggie the Reader. If you like depressing stuff, if you like historical fiction, you need to read Kristen Hanna's The Four Winds. This book is based during the Great Depression, and it really is a Great Depression. The setting is in Texas and California, and a family tries to maneuver their way through hard times. I know that you can relate to this book because all of us have been through COVID and the pandemic and the quarantine. So if you're looking for a book that you can relate to right now during the time of the global pandemic, this book is for you. And again, this is Maggie the Reader. Follow me on Instagram. Okay. Thank you so much, Maggie. And you guys should definitely go check out Maggie's Instagram page. She does a great job on Bookstagram. Um, okay. So I give the book a three and it's because it is literally to me, nonstop suffering from top to bottom. And I did not like the characters. I am sorry, and we'll get into it. But I just wasn't, I just was barely, like, I just really struggled to root for anybody in this book besides um, Rose, Rosa, her mother in law. Mm-hmm. Cannot remember. Um, I did like her, but uh, just the rest of the characters, they were like, they were going through it for sure, but a lot. I felt like she kind of fell into a lot of weird little tropes here. And it was like, okay, how can we make this as miserable as possible for this people? And I'm just like, I get it that it was hard and I'm sure that it was hard, but it was really bleak. Um, And it wasn't what I wanted to read right then. I've actually been in this kind of historical time period a lot lately. I read all the (laughs) all the little house books with my daughter. And then I re- uh, read the book Prairie Fires about Laura Ingalls Wilder right after that. And so that was actually pretty interesting because, you know, what Laura and her family did kind of created the Dust Bowl, right? Like they stripped away all that topsoil and Chris and Hannah goes into this in the book. Um, so this was my like third book in a row in that kind of phase and I was missing the warmth of of Laura Ingalls Wilder which I know is uh, totally fictional and a a children's book so completely different (laughs) but like I was missing that kind of warm um, element of the story. That is a great point because um, I have been reading nothing but fantasy and so for me it was like a little bit of a, a a slap back into reality where I was like, oh, like, you know, like I've been reading um, 
Carnival, which is all about this like fantastical um, like a, a carnival. And then before that, uh, we spent so much time on Discovery of Witches and mm-hmm. we did a little nonfiction. So yeah, this to me was like really, I really enjoyed it. It was wedge. Um, before we go into a little bit further, you listen to it. I read yes. it. What do you think? Should you read it or, or should you listen to it? I personally think that you should read it and not listen to it. The same exact narrator who did The Great Alone also did this one. I think that that is like they must have a deal or something. Oh. <coughs> She's not bad. But I loved when, her in The Great Alone. So uh, very interesting. Well, that's the problem, though. I had listened to The Great Alone, and it's almost the same exact voices that she uses for men and women in the books. And so I had to keep, like, reminding myself, like, that's not Ernst, that's Rafe or <laughs> right. whatever. And so that was a little irritating. Um, the wildest thing, though, at the end of the audiobook, and actually this is kind of a like an uptick for the audiobook, Audible does a interview between Chris and Hannah, um, this Audible person, and then the narrator is kind of chimes in as well on like her work around the book, which was fascinating. Chris and Hannah talks about like her process and what she was doing and blah, blah, blah. The narrator's voice was completely different. Like her speaking voice. From her like, characters? Yes, it was wild. Even like just her oh. narration voice that she uses when she's, you know, right. talk, talking about the prose. It was so different. She sounded like me or you just like chatting along. And so I'm like, <laughs> she had talked about how she had like a, you know, an acting background or whatever. So I'm like, wow, she really like gets into character for this whole thing. Um, I just, I don't know. I just didn't love it for this book. I felt like she made the children, especially like Loretta was even more unlikable because of her voice for her and the son who I feel like you should really care about was deeply annoying. Do you like mommy? <laughs> I just actually not into it. That's a great point. Now that you mention it, they absolutely should have had the children have their own uh, narrators <laughs> or like right. you know, why they can do a great youthful job, especially because Loretta is such an integral part of the story. She's literally half of the storyline. Yeah. So before we start off, um, I'll, just talk about really quick Chris and Hannah said that when she was originally writing the book it was Loretta Loretta was like the main character of this book and Elsa comes in as like the sister-in-law and she's like a side character and then as she wrote more and more um, she just realized that she she needed to write it about Elsa and she said as a woman who you know it's like almost her signature now to have these strong female leads Elsa is her favorite lead that she's ever written. Are you kidding me, Chris and Hannah? What? Uh, that see, really now, surprised me. I actually really enjoyed the um, evolution that Elsa went through. I'm, I'll try to save some of it for the other parts. But I really, Elsa was not my favorite. Now, Lenny has literally got a special place in my heart. And I'm trying to remember the Nightingale who... Um, Oh man, what was her, her character's names? I like both of them. Isabel, I think, was one. I can't, not Violet, something or other. I like both of them, but Lenny, like, special place in my heart. But I really did like Elsa. And a lot of that has to do with her being a parent and going through a tough time. And like I said, I'm going to try to go in a little bit harder later. But 
I am sorry. I love Grace and Hannah so much. I okay. It's spoiler time. Um, Elsa is starts off as like the ugly oldest sister, which I thought was really interesting that she was the oldest. Um, one thing that I thought was lacking right from the beginning was why don't we hear anything about her sister's relationship to her? Like we hear from her terrible parents who just treat her like garbage. But besides like a sideways glance, her sisters really don't have anything to do with her. It's like she well, doesn't even really, exist. So this is my big question mark for Elsa was it talked a lot about how when she was like 14, she had this, I'm trying to remember what it was, uh, some sort of illness and, and she had like a weak heart. And to me, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about my relationship with my siblings and I could see myself really wanting to baby them or you know what I mean like I can see like that almost them being put on a pedestal where she was really like done the exact opposite where her family was like oh we're just gonna put her away like I was just like huh right I I, I couldn't figure it out because it's like okay well what happened from ages zero to 13 like were you always treated like that or well, and did this just this, this idea of being an, an unloved child you're right it's weird too whenever the parents do a few times mention about the sisters like they at first they think like one of the sisters is pregnant they're so excited and, and you know different things so it's like they obviously like the other sisters or they have at least a, a yeah somewhat of a parent child relationship mm -hmm. that you would expect where yeah with her it's just she's just like the it's like she's just like the ugly spinster sister but she's been that way forever kind of thing mm -hmm. um so elsa decides to like that she's got to live basically she can't live like this anymore she's 25 she's not going anywhere she hasn't she like did she even graduate high school i don't, I don't think so remember. I think that so she goes out buys herself some red silk at the store and makes herself a dress, shaves her legs, puts on some makeup. Cuts her hair. Um, we should mention. Yeah. <laughs> cuts her hair. I cannot even imagine how janky this woman looked too. Like having never worn a scrap of makeup and she's like smearing on red lipstick and has a red flapper dress on. I'm like, well, and the way it says mm, it cuts her, hair, like her hair's cut all jaggedly. And I was just kind of like, Oh man. Right. Right. She really was uh, maybe looking rough. Anyway, runs out, immediately meets, this is the other little issue I had, 18-year-old Rafe. Like, I get it. I, it's sexist of me to be like, oh, that's a big age difference. But it kind of is. I don't know. I guess, like, Elsa's pretty emotionally immature. Um, and it says that Rafe is just, like, drop-dead gorgeous. To be honest, it didn't bother me at all. And I think one thing is I was like, okay, one, this he's he is of legal age, and he's actually he's like done with high school. He's uh, headed off to college, and two, I just like you said, I was thinking like, okay, she's like literally stunted. Like, you know, if she was, right. I don't know, thirties, then maybe I'm like, okay, but I'm like, this girl has literally like not really lived <laughs> life. Like, she is literally as innocent as a puppy. I just kept being like, you know. <laughs> When she I would try to really like almost like flirt and things. My my second hand uh, embarrassment, even reading a book was so strong where I was like, Oh my gosh. So I could totally see Cena, handsome just man just jumping in his arms. Like, of course. I think Elsa is a total horse girl. <laughs> like <laughs> <I> just 
Oh god. I'm imagining like little mustache reading books all day. I mean, she was blonde, so I guess she probably didn't have a mustache. I I have my own mustache to deal with, so it's not coming from a place. Of See, I'm I'm almost thinking of like of almost like a Bella Swan. Like I feel like it, it kind of talked up. Well, what I mean is like Ugh. it talked about her. Like, oh, she's not really pretty, but like you know, even like Bella Swan in the book was always like, she's plain Jane, but Edward thinks she's the most desirable thing. You know, so I'm like, okay. Well. Where Elsa is described as six foot tall in a time where you know the average woman is probably five two, and gangly gawky never wears like drab clothes doesn't go anywhere probably extremely socially awkward so i picture her like kind of hunched over so i get it like i'm sure that she was like i said i, I can see her jumping self. in this man's arms if I looked at uh, it, yeah. he, he is talking right. described as like this like you know he's italian so he's got this like dark skin he's got this like beautiful like thick luscious hair it, these big full lips like beautiful cheekbones, please. I, I would jump in this man's arms. Like, get out of here. <laughs> well, anyway, she didn't just jump into his arms. She jumps in the back of his truck, and they have the worst sex of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no. I had to break my own rules and text you as I was reading it because it was so appalled that this man is like a one pump chump. Literally. I'm like, what is going on here? I, again, we've talked a lot about sex education throughout the years on this podcast, but I, uh, I just, it would be so painful for her. Ooh. I just can't. I can't and that's get a good over point that. And too, so, is it, it like, does bring up in psychologically like, damaging. She is, oh my she gosh. has no clue what any of it is. Like, she's like, <laughs> so, uh, fast forward mm -hmm. within like two months, you know, they've been, they've been meeting up casually from time to time. Um, they, she actually runs at him at a picnic. She finds out he's engaged, this like beautiful Italian girl, uh, but he's about to head off for college. He's got like his heart set on like bigger and better things. He doesn't know exactly what he wants to do, but he knows it's not in Texas and it's not being a wheat farmer like his father. Well, uh, turns out she's pregnant. Ah, the fact that this woman had absolutely no clue, I just... It was like a head shake, and I was like, oh, how could the mothers mm -hmm. do this to their daughters where they literally were as dense? I just was like, oh, my gosh. Not even a clue. But at the odds that she goes out, I feel like I almost felt like she was me when I was 14, and I was getting ready to go to the dance, and I'm like caking glitter on my eyelids like i know that i'm gonna meet the man of my dreams tonight and like <laughs> checking my braces in the mirror and then i go there and what really <laughs> happens is i'll sit on a folding chair for oh, three hours <laughs> of course but like so i'm like okay this just it's so it was uh i, I don't know i just whatever it happened in my life it's an integral part that, that has happened to so i'm like Again, this I, I can give her so much grace, Chris and Oof. Hannah, because like even though you're right, it's tropey. I'm like, it happens. I am not gonna out the person that told me this story, but I'm like, it, it happens. 
It does. <laughs> I we all know somebody. We all know somebody that the people that do know where babies come from, okay. and then it still happens. we got to talk about this. Um, so her okay. her father. Her parents find out yeah. they are disgusted, and she talks a little bit about there's like three Ugh. big things against Rafe. Like he's Catholic, he's uh, um, he's a son of an immigrant, and there was something else, and I've already forgot. And I an think, Italian. Yeah, well, I think it was yeah. Just so it was a series of. After her daddy has her pack a bag, takes her to his house, and drives away with no solution solved, and she, I just was like, can you imagine? There's. The deep shame. Mm. I literally was like, I didn't feel for I, her now. I just want to pack up and just or wither away. I, I don't know. Well, and she knew. She knew what it looked like. She knew she was ruining, or she felt like she was ruining every single person in her entire live streams. And like, she also came into it being like, well, I mean, this has happened to other people, and wow. maybe I could just go away for a little while. And they. It was almost like they were looking for her a way to just unload this poor girl on somebody else. Um, she meets Rafe and Rafe's parents. It's interesting to me how Rafe and Elsa's relationship went down after this. I thought there might be a little tiny bit more love between them just because, I mean, I get it. She kind of crushed his dreams or whatever. Um, but she, I, there was definitely genuine attraction between them. I feel like the opposite because I was thinking like, one, there he's so young and like he's really got his heart set on seeing the world. And then like, you know, he makes what he later calls a mistake. And then like he's literally, I don't want to say he's trapped with her, but he is essentially. And, and, and just the sense that he's not ready to be. He's just still young and youthful and wants to go out and do things. So I was really surprised. So as it gets... uh you know, they've been married 12, 13 years and he's still like standing up to his daughter, like, you know, not allowing her to like trash talk um, the mom really. And like different little things where I was like, wow, like I just was imagining a much more vocal and like, like basically really, really emphasizing. I cannot believe I'm married to this woman. She's ugly. She's whatever. And he really never got that for me. That's why I was very surprised. I don't know. I feel like what he did was almost worse it was like he just kind of ignored her all the time like it's like they just didn't have any relationship that Elsa was just there and what really killed me was that Rafe was okay so to back up a little bit like when they first get married like she is really worried that her new in-laws are going to hate her and like she has kind of this cantankerous relationship with her new mother-in-law who they just like adore this child and he's their only child <coughs> which is interesting and then you find out more later that she had actually lost a bunch of children so Rafe is the only son they have so like her mother-in-law helps her deliver her baby it never talks about Rafe you know, meeting his child or like Elsa names the baby without even asking Rafe. Like he, it's like, he's a non-entity and this is a, a key part of her personality is that she literally wants to sink into nothing. She wants to be a wallflower. She doesn't want anyone to look at her. She doesn't want to be an issue, a problem to anybody. I wrote a note here that said like, maybe Elsa grosses me out so much because I see my own weaknesses reflected in her. And I, I mean, I'm not like 
a wallflower by any stretch of the imagination. But my biggest, I, I never want to be a burden to anyone else. Like it's, it's hard for me to ask for help. It's hard for me to, um, it's not hard for me to stick up for myself, but I just don't want to put anybody out. And I feel like Elsa is the extreme version of that. Like I'm not going to be, okay, this killed me while she's pregnant. She's like maybe a month pregnant, two months pregnant when she moves in with Rafe and gets married. By the time that woman gives birth to a baby, (laughs) she has learned how to make wine, make cheese, uh, clean, like go out in the fields and till the land and till a garden, having never done any of this in her entire life. I thought that was kind of wild. I think all of the time, and I mean that all of the time, I will tell Graham like, I was not cut out for those days. I couldn't have made it if I had to be up at sunup and do all of the daily chores and rear my children and like all of the, you know, the lack of like of modern day conveniences. I'm like, there's just no way. So every time I read about it, I'm like, oh, like God bless these people. Love them so much. Glad it's not me, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely admire her for just kind of throwing herself into the life on the farm. And it does a big flash forward after she has her baby, Lareda. Um, and you see them like struggling really hard. Everything is dead. Like they barely can make it. Oh, meanwhile, Rafe is in the bar. And I'm just like, this man is pure trash. He just <laughs> like you can tell that he was told that he was a beautiful, special snowflake his entire life. I don't like that term, but that's what Rafe is. And I really want them to be what I've envisioned them in my mind. When I hear about like this, like super handsome, young uh, Italian man, I'm like, my expectations, like the bar was high. And when I find out he is a drunkard spending the kids' uh, shoe money, on some liquor i'm like oh my gosh why very hard Seriously. to read there's some traumatic moments that happen while they're kind of struggling through rafe wants to leave and go to california and elsa doesn't want to do it she loves like at this point rafe's parents have really adopted her as their own and almost like like her better than their own nig son for good reason um, and she's just, she just doesn't want to leave. And I think that she's wise in that, honestly, like I get why she leaves eventually, but I, I agree with her. I'm like, she can see the pipe he, dream for right, what it he is. Just really did he not just wants have to the, be anywhere but there. What do I, I don't, not gumption, but he just didn't have like the spawn within him. I mean, oof. and he he just right. He, he took was a loser. It was available. Was a, it was yeah. really hard to read. So at this he point, wanted... they've got two kids. They have Loretta, who's I think around twelve or thirteen, and they've got uh, Anthony mm-hmm. or Aunt, who is seven. And basically, they kind of just find out one day that Rafe is gone, like literally just left, and he's gone. Now. The other thing that I could not stand about his character is before they leave and kind of after you realize that Loretta is really, I mean, they're all struggling, but Loretta is super sassy and she's like the epitome of teenage girl against her mother. And 
it sucks because you know that Elsa is doing everything for them and trying to be this great mom and talks about when she was little, like how close they were. But I really do feel like Rafe was kind of whispering stuff in her ear. Like even a 10, 11, 12 year old can figure out that their dad is good for nothing and hanging out and drinking all day in town. you, You know what I mean? whenever i was in like seventh grade somebody made the comment that said like they hated their mama and i remember at this point i had me and my mama had literally not gotten in a single argument because i just had you know what i mean so i was like what i remember being really a little bit like <gasps> like like shocked so that was one part but two i'm also like i can see too where it's like you you the people you love you'll give them passes for the stuff that they do so it's like so I think Loretta saw her father not making the best choices, but she was like, oh, but he's not really that bad. Like, he still really loves me. And me and him are just a lot. You know, so I was like, I could, I can kind of see that. I don't think he, he didn't help the cause at all. But I don't know. Part of it's just like, being I mean, a kid, you just don't see things in black and white the way that as an adult right. that me and you are able to be like, okay, he clearly sucks as a parent. I mean, and on the flip side, Elsa, when we were talking about she's a total wallflower, I feel like she almost like stonewalls people. There was a moment like after Rafe leaves that she goes to her room and she realizes that she hadn't spoken to anybody (laughs) in like hours. And even when they had talked to her, she just says nothing. And so maybe it was easier for her to be open and, um, like a caretaker to her children when they were little. And then as they became more mature and didn't need her as much, she kind of emotionally checked out there too. As he left, we began to find a little bit more about Elsa because the whole time it was kind of like, you know, she is just this wallflower. So he was stuck with this problem where I kept thinking, what would you do as a parent? You're a single parent. You have no money. You've got to take care of your kids. She, of course, at this point, she's got Rosalba and um, they want to live on the land and they believe in the land and they won't, you know, they basically won't go, but they don't tell her this. So they decide, or, you know, so she's thinking we're all going to go. They try their best to make these plans. And then she loads up in the car and they're like, okay, we know you got this. Bye-bye. I think I think that she did the best that she could with the knowledge that she had. <sighs> I think she made the right decision, I guess. However, I don't I kind of feel like once she did leave from some of the stuff that goes down, absolutely maybe I would have around is without and question. drove home and just big blessing is she's got the truck, the family <laughs> truck. They have a tent, they've got a couple of like necessary belongings. And basically, they find out mm-hmm. that they're lumped into, so they're Texans, obviously, but they're lumped into this, like, Oki, um, a.k.a. people, you know, everybody that's going uh, from the panhandle, all moving out, and I guess the Midwest, all moving out to California. There's no jobs. There's no homes. There's tons of discrimination. There's deep, deep, extreme poverty and also um, just mm-hmm. strife. And they're treated like garbage. And this is the thing. I didn't fact check it, Lacey, but I need to because I could not get over how there were 
maybe uh you, she speaks to maybe 10 to 12 strangers in the book and only one maybe one of them treats her with a moat of kindness i mean these people felt like uh undocumented people where it's like this deep like hatred where it's like you know so it's this i'm assuming it's the same concept with people Oof, you know that's it true. it maybe two or three times from people in the book saying things like we pay taxes you're just here mooching off the land living off of us and what are you really you know what are you doing so it was i think there really probably was like a us versus them mentality and also everybody right. poor. like there's just tons of poverty so it just kind of went right along with it what am i trying to say it's not racism classism it's true they end up having to live in a in a camp and she does make a woman friend there who i wish that there was a little bit more flesh to that storyline i enjoyed the fact that she had a female friendship and later she's gonna have like a romantic kind of liaison with this communist guy i almost would have scratched that and just given her like a really good girlfriend the friend she spent so much literally so much time from sun up till sundown at working picking different vegetables of cotton uh, you know whatever was available she just didn't have the time oh my she cleaned she cleaned a lady's house for she cleaned a lady's hours. house she for 40 like, oh. cents that was it's, it's horrible. it was really shocking i also i had no idea right. there was no like minimum wage and, and also i guess probably no way to like check it either there was so much crap going on with the government where there was it really so this is one reason right. why i enjoy the book so much is it really made me think about these things i'm like oh wow like this makes sense why we now have these things because otherwise when she gets there's um for a while she lives in this like little uh graham was calling it his or he was asking if it's like a hoover town and i'm like i guess that's probably <laughs> what these were at one point she gets to move into a little um uh it's a uh, the the grower he has like a little almost like a little compound it's like indentured slavery basically indentured servitude where you pick for the guy but you have to live in his cabins and buy food from his commissary and so all that comes out of your wages and basically you make I, no money it, and end up in debt even though it's you're not working unbelievable for this to me because i know people have done it but for me to do that to somebody is unbelievable how how would you have no compassion well yep. people have been mm-hmm. evil since the dawn of time and it's still shocking every single time <laughs> like i'm just like why you have no moral compass whatsoever one thing that um irked me a little bit you know not that i haven't been complaining this whole podcast episode um is that she makes a couple comments about how like oh i'm not gonna need you know whatever government aid and like she actually starts off by not taking specific government aid and then finally later down the line she does but i'm like if you were willing to sacrifice everything to save your child to go to california like what's what makes that any different than like you know getting an extra hunk of cheese from the government or whatever does that make sense? absolutely right when it's like 
if it comes to my children being hungry, if I've got a way to right. help, then you can guarantee my kids will have food in their bellies if I can help it. Connection between Jack and Elsa very quickly. Um, and he's a good person, but she also despises what he's doing because she feels like he's going to get them all in big trouble and she can't afford that to happen. So she kind of constantly is pushing him away while he's also, you know, constantly coming to their aid. I wanted Elsa to be happy, though, and because she literally spent, like, 14 mm-hmm. years with a man who, you yeah. know, who basically not not only didn't deserve her, but really right. didn't see her for who she was. <laughs> that was one of the, yeah. I loved Elsa, and when she, when she goes undergoes this change, like, you know, she does hard things. She does really hard things, and she does a freaking great job at it, and so I really liked that she did have somebody that could recognize her. And, I mean, this was very cheesy. Two or three times they called her a warrior. But I'm like, I get the sentiment where it's like, you know, like, you know, that film whenever you really just like for the first time, somebody really lets you feel proud of yourself and like gives you that like pat on the back. You're like, wow, like I've never really thought about like that. Like, thank you so much. And like that feeling. So I really did like that for her. But yeah, him as a person, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. whole romance was so thin and so short-lived that it was almost like Chris and Hannah was like I know that I gave you a spanking but here's a cookie (laughs) (laughs) like you know you've been like struggling this whole book but look they kissed (laughs) they kissed aren't you happy um so that like that is kind of where I was coming from also and then later, another terrible moment, flipping Jean dies oh, of, yes, I don't even know, yes. typhoid? This, yes. I loved what it inspired in Elsa, though. That was actually my favorite part of the entire book. She she needed to go get some aspirin. And so she went and got like a baseball bat and smashed in the desk at the hospital. So they would give see, her I some medicine, it, which is incredible. It's just like. It's very true where it's like a person will give, but there's a certain point where it's like you've had enough and you you have to, like every time I think about these, yeah. like, you know, many different countries that have had like civil wars and different things, it's like sometimes the oppression's got to stop. Like there will be a point where people will balk and that's that. The whole, the entire time she's in California, it really is one difficult task after the next. There is a little bit of joy in the sense that she really kind of comes into um, being an adult and being an independent person. She went, you know, as she's leaving, she's basically like, how can I do this? But she finds that she is actually extremely strong and that she's very, she's capable. And not only is she capable, but her children are, and they're, they just all basically pitch together. There's a lot of times where the three of them are all out in the fields picking whatever it is that's growing. And I just was, I was seriously so inspired by this sheer will to live and to survive. And it also really moved me because I know there are people that in today's time are still enduring very similar things. And it's just like the human resolve is so amazing. And that's why I just kept, I really liked this book where I know that there are people whose lives are seriously one 
difficult trial after another, but they not only do they make it, but they find like pockets of happiness. It's definitely inspiring to be like, okay, this should not be happening anymore. Nothing like this should ever happen on this planet again. So what can we do to help? Um, But the time has come that we have to talk about the ending of this book, which was maybe the least favorite ending of any book I've read in a long, long time. Maybe not ever, but in a long, long time. I was so over it by this point. I was really angry at Kristen Hanna. Um, you know, after all of this happens, Jean's death, like she's just, oh, like she's, the switch flipped and she decides to help Jack and rally to unionize and to like do a growing, do a picking strike, which they do. And of course it pisses all the growers off. And I'm trying to think. Well, she has a very you want to say anything else before Jack. I say what um, happened. They do spend like maybe like two nights together, and Loretta yeah. throughout this time has grown so much. You know, at the beginning of the book, it's her. They're right. They're really like you know. All she sees is that her mama is this. Thankfully, she, she saying like, hey, "Dad, you're so fun." Like, how did you know it was I like her? By the end of the book, she realizes her mama is strong as hell and will do anything for her and her brother and you know she's at the very end whenever they're unionizing and and basically they're they've got like i think dogs and all kind of like you know just the they've sent or they brought in a bunch of migrant workers and basically they're just kind of like okay we're not (laughs) going to do deal with this her mama when she stands up on that truck and she gets a bullhorn and she's like basically helping rally everybody around her there was a little tear in my eye i was so proud of her and i was Loretta was so proud of her and i was like oh man unfortunately it all goes downhill from here but one shoots her someone freaking kills elsa she dies i did not see this coming usually i can see stuff coming i didn't see that coming um I was honestly like zoning out a little bit. I, that's, I, it just felt a little flat. Like I did feel, even as you're talking about it, like I'm kind of getting jazzed thinking of this like ultimate culmination of her stepping into this warrior womanhood. But when I was actually listening to it, I just, it felt a little flat to me. It was like a little bit of a platitude. It was a little bit of a, okay, like Elsa gets her moment, whatever. Um, it's like, yeah bad heart because of like right. her illness as a child and so whenever they get to the hospital and i'm trying to remember it's, it's a very similar thing with gene mm-hmm. where they're like oh we're not going to treat her and they're like yes you are going to treat her i can't even i can't even remember what happens but I, jack threatens hey. we have a little epilogue where it's four years later it's loretta yeah. is um they've carried her mama's body home and she's like basically looking over at her and there's still a lot of it's it's better their situation is better but there's still some challenges and you know she gets a picture of her Mm -hmm. mom in that moment and you know and like it's photographed and it's just like you know she shows her grandma's like this is kind of like what she grew into like you know you knew her as somebody else but this is who she was at like the very end of her life and we find out that Loretta's heading off to college. She's going to be the first one, at, the first Martinelli at college, which was her grandparents' dream for her dad, who never made it out there. Makes sense for the story, but I'm literally like, I want a separate story about yeah. Rafe. What happened to him? I want to know. 
see, I don't really want to know what happened. I like to think that as soon as he made one red cent, he went down to a whorehouse, got good and drunk, and then got killed by a pimp or something. Like, just something truly gruesome and terrible. I, I'm sorry if I poo-pooed <laughs> all over this book. Um, but if all you like suffering, well, then go ahead and read it. We'll love it. Bye. <laughs> Ooh, okay. The scene where it was like, can I love you? I literally was like, ah, kill me. And she just has uh, no clue. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry on your behalf.